What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> I checked the creek flow and stuff like that and uh, water temperature so we can kind of talk about it in let's a couple of Let's weeks. talk about it because I've got things that I might be doing tomorrow morning. And you guys, between the two of you, can give me an update. All right. Let's just get it started. Cool. I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host. Hope everyone's doing well. And Spring's almost here. Almost. What is it? 27 days. Yes. Because uh, my girlfriend's doing a countdown. So she's got her 27 days. Uh, to me, March 1, for me, spring's here. Hey, even it, though it might snow 20 inches. It's but. all about the weather for me. It feels like spring right now compared to the, what it's been like. And honestly, before this, it felt like a, somewhere else. As much rain as we've gotten, it didn't feel like it should be Kentucky in January. Mm -hmm. But today's guest is Dane Ballsman. Dane, what do you do? Tell us your position. Uh, I am the urban fisheries biologist for Kentucky. I've uh, been here the last 10 years in that position. Um, main job responsibilities overseeing the, the fins or fishing in neighborhoods program. Uh -huh. uh, I am in the research division, so I do some, some fisheries research, uh, a few projects on the side, but mm -hmm. uh, main, main job is, is overseeing the fins and making sure it runs smoothly. Do you remember the first time that me and you met where we were? Was it a couple years ago up at Alexandria? Or Alexandria, was that before that's yep. where we were. Yep. We were up there. We actually went on a stocking day, a catfish stocking day at Alexandria City Lake, is that what it's yep. called? Yep. It's a fins lake. And as these fish were coming off the truck, you know, flying into the water, there's people just catching them left and right. <laughs> I mean, it was like as these fish went in, and they were just doing everything they could to get right back out of that water. You know, that's almost a curse, though. We were up there yeah. and caught them, caught them like that on the day the catfish went in. Yeah. But then w when they don't bite like that, people say, well, what the heck's going on? I was up <laughs> yeah. here the day they were stocked, they're not biting. Yeah. I get those calls all the time yeah. this time of year for trout. Well, the trout can be a little more finicky and take a few days to acclimate. But mm -hmm. yeah, the catfish, man, they hit that water that day and they were biting yeah, right that's when they went you, in. You told us beforehand, because the truck was pulling up, we were getting ready to watch them go in. And it's pretty cool. A lot of people who are listening probably never have seen the stocking system. But you just kind of pull a truck up with a bunch of tanks on it, and you hook a, a big PVC pipe to it and just shoot them straight out of the truck into the water. And it's yeah. cool to see. Yeah, it is. But um, you told us before that, you know, I'm not sure if these fish are going to bite. Sometimes it might take a day or two for them to get acclimated, and we just got lucky that day. And we were catching fish as fast as we can put rods in. Yep. Do you remember? There's a segment. It's on Kentucky Field uh, YouTube if somebody yep. wanted to watch it. But... Um, do you remember when we were setting rods out, because we were throwing like three or four rods out, mm -hmm. and as we were casting lines out, our rods were getting pulled into the water <laughs> by fish. So, I mean, it was it was It, was, it was fast action, I, and there was there were several people around us fishing. I mean, everybody, oh, yeah. it wasn't just us. Everybody was catching fish. I loved days like that day, so, yeah. It was, it was a nice, a beautiful day, too. Yep. Slick said one time he was stocking trout, and somebody threw their power bait, like, in the little hole <laughs> on top of the tanker truck. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it's like you're gonna have to wait until they're actually in the stream. Yep. Yeah, That's people a... people get all excited. I mean they do. I get I get numerous calls on, on stocking days, what time's the truck gonna get here? And and like I said, sometimes they bite right when that truck gets there and yeah. then other times it can be several days or a week before those fish really acclimate yeah. and turn on. So I wanna I wanna hit on that in a second. But first, I want to say I'm switching a few things up with the podcast, kind of. I'm going to switch up our photos, right, Lee? I'm mm mainly -hmm. talking to you because this is obviously your co-host. Um, they had been black and white in the past. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, we need color. We need more color on there. So right. doing something different with the photos. And I also want to make it a point of emphasis. Every podcast, I want the listeners to end it with a new opportunity or technique that they didn't know before, which means we're probably going to have to give several, mm -hmm. you know, but I want everybody to feel like there's something new they can go do. And also I want them to know something new about a species. 
or about a, an animal, okay? So I, I might make a note or two, but I want to make sure in every podcast we get those two things out there. Something new to do and something new about something in the state of Kentucky that most people aren't going to know. I feel like we normally do that organically, mm-hmm. but I would like to, at the end of it, like literally think. And if we haven't given something new, well, a new species I'm back. I'm full of uh, completely useless information well, about Kentucky. So. Hey, I'm telling you, the useless information <laughs> is the best information. Mm-hmm. That's the most interesting stuff. Okay, so back to what we were talking about. You were saying it could take a while for the trout to bite. Yesterday, I got on the department website and I looked at the stocking schedule because I was thinking about trying to go find some trout somewhere. Mm-hmm. Saw that our lake here, both of our lakes here on campus, had actually been stocked on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So I walked myself down there and, and uh, I didn't catch fish. Other people were catching fish, but they were catching them under floats. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to you know swim a, swim a bait past them. And everybody was kind of under the same idea that, you know, those fish are here, but they just need a few more days to adjust. They were thinking maybe today or tomorrow yep. they could they could really turn on. I mean, what's your experience with that as far as trout go? Yeah, like I said, it seems like the catfish do bite pretty well that mm-hmm. day or the next day. The, the trout, I'm not sure what it is, if they're just a little more finicky or mm-hmm. a little more sensitive to, to water quality when they go in. Um, but we've actually done some, some tagging studies at some of these fins lakes in the past. Uh, one that comes to mind is Jacobson, and it's probably been five or six years ago now, but um, we tagged some fish to try to get an idea for exploitation, mm-hmm. um, how quickly they're getting harvested, what percentage of the fish are getting harvested. And we had a we had a creel survey ongoing at the same time. And stock these fish, and I'm getting calls, what's going on? The fish aren't biting, you guys didn't stock, something's going on. Mm-hmm. It was almost two weeks before we had any tags from that tag study start coming in. So mm-hmm. it took those fish a couple weeks before they'd turn on, and then it was like a light switch one day. They yeah. decided to start biting, and it wasn't one fish, they all started to What do you think start. it is? I mean, and I guess it kind of has to do with how people fish for them. Like the guys who were catching them yesterday, I said they were fishing under bobbers, right? Mm-hmm. And I was trying to swim a bait past them. Were they fly fishing with strike indicators? One guy or? was fly fishing with a strike or indicator. Were they throwing, well, you can't. Well, there, there were two guys down there. You, you can use. You can use. You can use fish, yeah, like you can use red worms. Yeah, okay. Red worms. So there's people yeah. that use live bait. There's the what we call the corn dunkers. There's guys that yeah. fish with whole kernel corn, power bait. Which um, works. Yeah. Well, this so one guy was fly fishing under a strike indicator. The other guy was fishing with a you know regular spinning outfit and a bobber and a little bitty piece of night crawler. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were catching fish, and I wasn't. I don't necessarily think it was because I was doing anything wrong, but I'm thinking those fish, when they come from the hatcheries, right, mm-hmm. they've been eating basically a pellet-based diet, right? Yeah, that's pretty much strictly all. They're, they're not getting anything else other than a pellet-based diet. So, so they're not used to having to chase food. Yeah. yeah. So it probably makes more sense for them to eat something that's sitting still. Until they still. get really hungry. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm. Yeah. And then there are people that, that throw inline spinners. I know guys yeah. that do fairly well oh, yeah. uh, throwing, you know, just rooster tails. Well, and and those all... fish will start chasing when, I guess, maybe it, maybe it is a little bit later on when they yeah. get hungry. But uh, That's yeah. the only way I've ever fished them down here is mm-hmm. maps and rooster tails and curly tails. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the great mysteries is why do they eat corn and you know do you have a definitive answer what do you mean why is that a mystery just because it's not natural for them or something like that i mean you know it's it's corn i mean you know if you went to a wild trout river and threw corn you would probably never get a (laughs) bite. i really don't know do you think it's i mean we've debated this a lot i did a piece on it one time and um ted kroll told me that corn is a component of that feed Mm mm-hmm now, then I got some reaction against it saying, oh, that's not it. Then we did uh, 
Ted looked it up, and it, there is a significant percentage of some of those feeds. And that pellet, pellet feed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that stands stands reason, and I don't know if it's a, a sight thing either. I yeah, mean, I mean, you mean it's yellow, pe yellow, yellow pellet is round about the same size. in Cumberland River and caught big trout. <laughs> it just seems like I felt like I was little and put green beans and bologna and caught bluegill on it. <laughs> That's something you did. Yeah. You used yeah. We, well, we'd run out of worms one time. We I called them on pork and beans, pork and beans, <laughs> and then uh, we had bologna. I was with Dad. It was at a, a distillery lake in Barnstown. I mean, there you go. Know. I flip rocks, man. I just find something because I mean those fish and the extremes especially are just eating whatever's around them. Yeah. Bugs and worms and all. All you gotta do is look around and you can find a find, find, a, find a, something a, that they're used to a eating. Natural man, food source. Yeah. That's what I grew up with, was was yeah. fishing farm ponds and catching grasshoppers yeah. and yeah. going around them. I mean that's what crickets are. <laughs> yep. Yep. Great bait. So yeah, I don't know what it is about the corn, but it, it is successful and there's a lot of people that catch a lot of trout with with corn. I was on corn. Cumberland River with Dad. We were waiting way out there at Boyd's Bar at the end of Ray Man Road near the dam and. Uh, I was throwing a pins minnow, and um, I caught a, about an 18-inch brown. Mm -hmm. And Dad caught several on it. I couldn't really get him to get the rhythm. He finally started getting He caught several. This guy pulls up with red worms, gets his limit about 25 minutes. <laughs> Anybody want my bait? <laughs> <laughs> there were some other, there's a couple with us, man. They jetted over there yeah. to get yeah. that guy's red worms. Yeah. Uh, the one guy yesterday when he was leaving offered up his, his bait to everybody. Might as well. I mean, those worms are probably going to go bad, but... Dane, tell me what's going on right now, like with your, with what you're doing, what's going on right now? So the FINS program right now, the big thing is, is you know, we're getting ready to get really busy and we're getting mm -hmm. ready to stock a lot of fish here. So mm -hmm. uh, here in February, we, we do stock trout. Uh, the trout we stock in, in the winter months, uh, starting usually in the fall, October, November mm -hmm. is when we, we first start stocking those. And then we stock those in February and again in March. Um, they provide opportunities during the winter when when fishing may be slow for other mm -hmm. species, uh, we want to encourage people to get out, and you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to just be nice weather. You can get out and mm -hmm. fish a fins lake year round and, and have a pretty good chance to catch fish. So, uh, February we're stocking a lot of a lot of trout this month. Um, March is, is our busiest month actually. Uh, we got a new license year, March mm -hmm. one, and, and we really encourage people to get out. We mm -hmm. want them to get out and go fishing, buy their new license. Um, so we have our last round of trout in March, and then we start in with the catfish stockings yeah. at the fins lake. So. So um, you, we don't stock catfish until March, correct? March is the first stocking of the year. So we, we'll, we front load those pretty heavy in the spring. We, and we just kind of, um, talking with anglers, people have spring or winter winter cabin fever mm -hmm. and ready to get out after the winter. So uh, March, April, May, and June are the catfish stocking months. So we front load those pretty heavy in the spring. And we stock a lot of catfish in these Fins lakes. We have 44 lakes in 28 counties. And uh, we stock uh, 120,000 rainbow trout mm -hmm. and 123,000 catfish. So it's it's a lot of fish, and and these aren't small fish. These are keepers, there's some good size the, trout. And there's some good catfish. size. Uh, the, actually, the trout for the fins program are a little bit bigger than you would mm -hmm. find at some of the streams and tailwaters. They're eater the trout. That's yep. what I call. Mm -hmm. So they're about close to half a pound. About mm -hmm. 10, 10 and a half inches is what they what they average with the fins trout. Whereas uh, some of these trout you catch in other water bodies may only be about nine, nine or nine yeah. and a half. Yep. So they're, even with that ten and a half average, I mean, if you get if you get on a good day, you can you know sit there and pick and choose, and yep. you can you can leave with five fifteen inch fish. I yeah, mean. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's there's some bigger fish mixed mm -hmm. in, so um, yeah, you you have to kind of uh, um, 
pick and choose what you mm -hmm. want. Uh, you can't uh, can't cull trout, so you can't put them on a stringer. Yeah. But but yeah, if it's but a if good you, day and you're catching them pretty quick, yeah, just let them can, go. If you can know, know hey, yeah. I'm, I'm going to catch some more here. So I've done that before. Yeah, so. you definitely can't put them on a stringer because once you do that, they're pretty yeah, much they're, a yeah, yeah, catfish bait. And yeah. we and we encourage people to if they are practicing catch and release, uh, good use yeah. good techniques. Don't use don't kick them up on the bank or use a dry rag or anything yeah. like that. We do see that occasionally. Yeah. So yeah, you know those little fish grabbers that you can you know there's a bunch on the market, but they're affordable. Mm -hmm. And um, you know those. Little, I've got a one that looks like a pistol grip. And I yep. just grab them. Yep. I never. Then you never touch them. Yep. So. I touch them. I'm not gonna lie. I do touch them. Yeah. I do it with my hand. Yep. I don't know yeah. Yeah. I see. Like but, I said, I've seen the dry rag or people putting them under their boot. Uh, yeah. I've sat there. I mean, I've seen people it. step on them and kick them in. It's yep. Like, well, so um, you might as well have taken that out. Yeah. You know. Yep. But uh, you know, some of those fish and the fins lakes, not necessarily trout because trout don't live past a certain basically i mean every trout that goes into a pond in the state of kentucky or a lake has a day it's it's limited and it depends on the year and depends on the water temp okay, so it's, it's all temperature based all temperature based usually in typical kentucky year um they'll catch them through mid to end of may mm -hmm. by the first of june there's no trout yeah. left in any of these ponds um and we really don't see any large die-offs a lot of these fish most of these fish are getting mm -hmm. harvested mm -hmm. the ones that don't when that water starts to heat up they get pretty lethargic slow moving they kind of quit feeding yeah. And, and those bass just absolutely pound on them. Oh, I'm sure. When we're out there in May, every big bass that we get on a fins lake has a trout tail sticking out. Oh, there, well. So, so they, they eat on them. To use. Yeah. To use. Yep. So the um, I know that some of the catfish, because obviously the trout don't live, but the catfish do. Yeah. And I don't know how it happens, but some of those catfish in the fins lakes just live and live and live and live and get huge. Yeah. The guy caught a 40 pounder down here last year. And I've heard of you know several. I saw a pounders. guy catch up. I've seen them just yep. from my office. Mules yep. out of here, yep. just huge. Cat, I mean, catfish that have to have been in this pond for eight years, seven, yep. nine years, something yep. like that. Yeah, and again, you got you got plenty to eat. I mean, these these yeah. ponds do have trout. They've got a lot of sunfish. So there's there's stuff for them to eat. Um, and yeah, they don't all. People think that you know, after, week after two weeks after stocking, there's no They're fish left. Yeah. No, there's we, we run hoop nets. We sample these ponds in the fall to kind of see what the what the population is. And and there's there's fish out there. So they don't all get caught right away. Um, the number ones may get caught pretty quick, but they're not all getting caught right away. Yeah. So. The uh, if okay, so right now, and this is for you personally, if there was one opportunity right now, if you had, if you just had a day off work and you know your wife was at work and no responsibilities, what's the one thing you could go do that you would go do if you could go do anything? Ooh, that'd be tough. I'd, a couple things. Let's I, say I, travel's not an issue either. <laughs> yeah. I'd either be out hiking and doing some shed hunting this time of year. Shed hunting, I, yes. I, I like shed hunting, and mm -hmm. or. Or be out, and I'd be out crappie fishing, probably on the Taylorsville Lakes, pretty that. close to me. Yeah. They had a they had a tournament. Uh, we were talking about it this morning when we were taking those photos. Yep. L last week on Taylorsville National yeah. Crappie Tournament, and they did well. Didn't yeah, they? yeah, they well, caught a lot of fish, I'll and tell you what, all the top weights were were pretty good weights. Following up with what you just said, that tournament that they had on Taylorsville, we got a report from that tournament here at the TV show. And we decided to go out and do it ourselves on Tuesday after the tournament. We go Tuesday. I think we went on Tuesday, and we caught twenty six or thirty is what they said, mm -hmm. right, Dan? I mean, tore them up, and probably well over a pound average on the bigger fish. So there, there's and, fish and to again, be there's fish to be had this time yeah. of year, and and you go out there in April, and it's hard to find a spot on the bank, and mm -hmm. and you, you're going to catch a lot of fish, yeah. but you're going to be fighting a lot of other anglers too, yeah. and you go out this time of year, and there's a 
it's much more enjoyable yeah. experience. A lot fewer boats on the lake. I'm this saying time there's here. probably a, a lot of opportunities. If fish, if crappie are biting good on Taylorsville, I gotta suspect that at Green they're probably you know there's probably well Green and Green and Barron. Some of those lakes are they're pretty high right now. Yeah, they're that's they're true. 20, yeah, they're 20, know, 25 foot over summer pools. So yeah, yeah check check your local check your local later. listings. Yeah. But Taylorsville, I have heard good things about, and it's funny the two things that you said you would do right now. There was that, and then also walking for sheds, and that those are the exact same two things that I would do, <laughs> if there was anything. Because I've been itching to shed hunt so bad lately. And I'm kind of, you know, every time I see a, a group of deer in the field, I'm looking at any antlers. I'm just waiting until I feel like, I don't know, 80% of them have dropped. Yeah. I don't want to go walk when they're still holding, because yeah. I'm not going to re-walk the same spots oh. twice, and I don't want to miss one. So I'm waiting, and every day I'm looking, and I'm thinking it might be the There's week. A lot of people are hardcore into it, yeah. you know. Oh, I'm shed hunting. So I mean, it's not. I'm not going to be like, oh, it's so much fun. But there's something about it. I just getting out hiking yeah. that time of year, being able to see a long way, and, yeah. and doing scouting. I, mean, you, I, I like getting out on some of the some of the WMAs. I mean, areas that I don't even deer hunt as much, but mm -hmm. maybe I turkey hunt or squirrel hunt. Yeah. But I like getting out and just seeing some new territory, finding out what's over that next hill. So. And it's really cool. Like uh, some of the better deer I've, I've harvested. I mean, I have their sheds from several years leading up to that year. And it's cool to hold them there and see how the deer have changed over the years. And it's a good way to scout, see what survived the season. And Do you make stuff with them? I don't. I just kind of. I know a lot of people them. like to make yeah. knives. I'm not that good. I don't find I don't find that enough to. <laughs> I was actually googling this earlier, because um, I mean those sheds do have a lot of value. Now you can't sell them. It's an animal part, so you got to have a taxidermist to middleman it or something for you if you did want to. But there's some really cool stuff. Like have you ever looked at what a um, chandelier or a lighting fixture made out of deer antlers <laughs> goes for? Have you ever looked at the prices no. on those? I'm talking like seven, eight thousand bucks. Right. Don't buy the pound when they sell that for for you know or people that collect it mm -hmm. and can can sell it. Give them to your dog. Yeah, my dog has several sheds. Actually, if you look at my lock screen on my phone, well, they love them. Yeah, it's good my, for their teeth. Yeah, uh, I'm going to show you this because I said I was going to. That's my lock screen on my phone. Is <laughs> dog with a shed. Um, but yeah, so I mean they they are worth a lot, and they're if you have deer, like if it's your farm or your place where you deer hunt. There's value to finding them because then you have them for, you know, later on down the road if you happen to harvest that deer or one of your buddies does or something like that. And you can make some cool stuff with them. I'm thinking about doing a coffee table or something mm -hmm. right now. You know, it, it's not that hard to do. Yeah, anyway, I was my brother, my brother's a woodworker and he does yeah. a big Christmas centerpiece down the table with you know, the old barn wood that he made like a box yeah. with greenery and antlers and, yeah. and different things, candles in. It's pretty cool. pretty cool centerpiece for around the no holidays. Doubt. So. I've just got the, this huge pile of sheds, okay? And I have to, because at some point, you know, you, uh, you, you got a <laughs> wife, wife, and at yeah. some point, it's going to be one of those things where... Oh, I can already hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a new castle. We got all the deer <laughs> Yeah. So I'm going to have to eventually make use of them. Like, my office in here is just full of them. I don't know if you look at the shelves yeah. above my desk. I mean... I found them. I found one on a shoot last Tuesday, so and that was here in Franklin County. Mm -hmm. now, luckily, I got the people we were on the shoot with. We were on their property, and I was like, "Oh, an antler!" And I was like, in the back of my mind, "Please let me keep it. Please <laughs> let me." Because <laughs> I said, uh, "I said, is it finders keepers or is that one yours?" And and they said, "No, oh, man, go for it." So yeah, cool. That's how I am. If somebody goes shed hunting with me on a, on a, a place I hunt, and if they find the antler, it's it's theirs. But I always give them that caveat, like. If I kill that deer this year, um, I might need that, <laughs> you know, and, and it never happens. But, yeah. Or if I find the match, you know, you can make deals with people. No doubt. Oh, let's see. So if, if you had 
say time of year wasn't specific, all this, if there was one thing you could do any time of year, what's your favorite thing in the state oh, of Kentucky? Man. Bluegill fishing. You I'm like a, bluegill I fishing? Love, oh. I, I still got that kid in me. I know <laughs> some people get over it and say, oh, I, bluegill fishing, that, that don't interest me. And yeah. turn their turn their nose up at it, but man, I love There's something about bluegill fishing and seeing that. Did you all go to Kentucky Lake last year? We did not. It was the first year in several years we hadn't gone. I think we'd gone seven or eight years, several, several guys. Bluegill and red ears. Which bluegill are red ear, we went every year. Uh, big several red ear. Year. Red, ear red ear are pretty awesome. Yeah. Think well, we, we've had like, a few you get them on the ultralight, you're like, oh, if I can land this big you, old you plate. You know pretty quick when you catch a 12 or 13 inch red ear oh, on, I know. on an ultralight and four oh, pound line. It's, so it's, it's oh, a blast. It's fun. But, but uh, that that's my favorite thing to do is I love bluegill and fishing. I, I hit a lot of the lakes around here and uh, yeah, yeah. Bluegill fishing. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. I I see I he's he's turned his nose up. Look no, I haven't turned my nose up. Here's what I'm saying. I I really enjoy. <laughs> I haven't turned my nose up. So I really enjoy bluegill fishing, but it's more of like an opportunity type deal. Like you know, I I can go bluegill fishing in a farm pond or down at Guest yeah. Creek Lake, or you know, it's convenience. If I only have two hours after work, I can swing by a farm yeah. pond on the way home, and I can do that. But I, I don't. If it was like any one opportunity, I probably would do something. Now that's just me. Yep. Know, I'm not being snooty, but man, fighting those hybrids on the Ohio River is a lot of fun. Yep. <laughs> I, I need to get a like a three or four weight fly rod because mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to do was throw that yeah. sponge spider. Yep. And catch big bluegill on top. It's oh, just fun. That is my favorite way to catch bluegill mm -hmm. is topwater popper yep. on a fly rod. Yeah. And because you get a big bull bluegill. I mean, it's a, it's it's oh. a, it's fun. I used to do that and then tie a black gnat off the end. And sometimes you'd catch, yeah, a four pound and do a little yep. dropper. And then if the popper went backwards, bluegill almost every time. You know, yep. so it was like a bobber and the bass would hit the yep. popper and the big bluegill would hit the popper. Yep. The, uh, somebody said that if bluegill could get up to 10 pounds, it would be impossible nobody, to land. <laughs> nobody <laughs> land them and nobody fish for anything else. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the state record bluegill, I mean, it's like, what, five pounds and some yeah, change yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. This thing's ridiculous. Yeah. Now, I think it was caught in Shelby County. It was caught in Finchville. Yeah. Betty Truax, I think, yep. is the name. Yeah, I, when they get that big, they don't even look like a bluegill anymore. Uh -huh. They just they don't look right. No, they, got <laughs> they get those big... Big knot on their head. The, and yeah. Do the males get the big knot on their head? Yeah, usually they, they kind of turn purple, and, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Some people call them stump knockers because they, their head yeah. was swollen. Did you yeah. ever hear that? Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, red ear. Red ear's fun, too, though. Yeah. People need to get out and do more of that. Well, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. It's just, they're, they're, you know, they're a challenge. They are. If you can if you can find them, and, and most people, they're, when they're fishing for bluegill, they're fishing too shallow. They're not yeah. deep enough for them. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people bluegill fish under a cork, and you almost have to be in contact with that bottom to catch mm -hmm. those red ears. So. Do you throw the little grubs? Do you throw the little... You know, Kentucky Lake, I call them Kentucky Lake grubs. I, I do down there. Um, around here, I've used them a little bit and haven't had as much success with them. I like Popeyes is what I throw a lot of around here for bluegill fishing. You'll pick up crappie and a few other things yeah. on those Popeye, Popeyes. But um, for, for red ear, I mean, I honestly like just a little red worm on a split shot and no bobber and just that's keeping what, in yeah, contact what, with the bottom. I'll tell you, one of the best opportunities that's coming up right around the corner is probably white bass and crappie. Oh, no. Because like, you were talking about Taylorsville Lake, and that's an opportunity. But, I mean, it's kind of tough for some people because Taylorsville Lake is not the easiest to fish if you don't mm -hmm. have a, a lot of its WMA and long walks to get to Lakeside unless you go to a, a marina or yeah. a, and there's a lot of pressure. So here they're going to Road when they Palmer, That's what I was River Road, at. River Road, and Palmer yeah. Road over at Taylorsville. It's it's easy walking. Mm -hmm. You got a you got a gravel road to walk down. You can actually drive down the road yeah. when it's open in the spring. And and same way over at uh, 
Harrington, I forget yeah. what the access, the VP, there's, there's, there's a lot. access. No Lynn I, might I have the best. I think that Dixon yeah. VP no is still around, isn't it? Yeah. At the end of Rankin mm -hmm. Road? It's still open for yeah, the public. And I've never been down to No Lynn, but oh. yeah, it's 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 no, the best. I've like, been to No Lynn and it is the best. Yeah. And it's not necessarily the best because of numbers. Mm -hmm. Like you can just catch them cast after cast if it's on at anywhere. But I think No Lynn has the biggest fish. Yeah, That was a great what y'all did with Rick, that was a great segment. Well, we did one with Rick at Nolan, and we did one with Charlie Logsden at Nolan. And then we've gone out to Taylorsville. I mean, that's when, when the white bass are running, I will leave here and I will drive there. <laughs> and my, my, my route home changes every day, you know, based on that. Because, yeah, I, honestly, this year, I plan on catching it early. I plan on going like a week or two before the white bass run, mm -hmm. which means you're going to catch smaller white bass. But I think that the crappie and the saw guy yeah. would be on up in there. The saw guy are up in there in the spring too, and they're mm -hmm. up there in the fall. A lot of people think of white bass run in the spring, but there's a pretty good run in the fall as yeah. well. And those Obi lakes got into them. September, last October can be can be really good over there. I think it's maybe the fall before last. Yeah. What it reminded me of all well, the only reason I even thought of that was because uh, you said something about a Popeye, mm -hmm. and Popeye is a, a bait of choice for people targeting crappie mm -hmm. up in that area, not necessarily white bass. Yeah. I think white bass. I'm just. I've caught them throwing a. Oh, you can definitely catch them throwing there. You know those little Gary Skidmore's? He's dead. Mm -hmm. Little bluegill I've got, baits. I've got a lot of those. I do too. <laughs> Tucked I, away I, in a tackle box. I know, and I'm like, I, I used to like give them away to people. Yeah. I was like, why did I do that? Now I can't get them anymore. Yeah. I, I hoard them now. Yeah. But I've thrown those under a little bobber. Yeah. Nice white bass. Yeah. We're going to have to talk more about white bass around closer. And it should be. We, so, so talk about this probably later, but one of the side projects I do for, mm -hmm. for in the research division is we're looking at hybrid striped bass, but mm -hmm. we run gill nets on Taylorsville, Harrington, and Rough River Lake, uh, or the three lakes we're looking at hybrids. But, so we run gill nets in the fall over Taylorsville. And I will say there's a couple really good year classes of white bass. So if we get the right weather and water this spring, there's, there should be a lot of fish, a lot of white bass out there. And when you're white bass spring. fishing, you hit it, and at the beginning, you're gonna have smaller fish, because mm -hmm. those are the males coming mm -hmm. up. Yep. And then the females are much bigger, and you can always tell when you got a female on versus male. And, and then so later, like maybe two weeks after the white bass run kind of starts to pick up, you go out there and you just hammer in the big ones. So you're saying there's a year class out there at Taylorsville that there's there's a couple, and 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 fish in general at Taylorsville aren't really long lived. There's a lot to eat there, but it seems like all the fish over there live fast, die young. So they, they grow so fertile, fertile, and they grow quick, and they just don't live real long. But uh, yeah, there's there's been two really good white bass spawns the last couple of years. So there's a, just a gob of six to. 12, 13 inch fish. There should be a lot of a lot of white bass over there this spring. Um, and again, it's, it's weather dependent and water dependent. I mean, we could get six inches of rain next week and screw things up for two mm -hmm. months. But, no. uh, but it, it just so much is, is water and weather. Long dependent. range looks drier. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to eating the white bass over there. That's my <laughs> good. I mean, I don't know if I like catching them or eating them more. Yeah. It's pretty close. I like both of them a lot. I'll start getting calls from people all over. White bass running, white bass running, yep. <laughs> emails, white bass running. Yeah, that's one of those things that so many people look forward to. Yep. In the fishing world, I mean, it might be like the one singular I, event that the most people look look for. We saw Chase and Chad were down there talking to people last year, and we were down there that day. Mm -hmm. And so Sloan and... And uh, Sloan's always, I never catch you, Solga. <laughs> and right in front of us, he caught a nice one. But then, like, not even five minutes later, Rick caught a bigger one. <laughs> yeah. I've got a... I've got a, Sloan's first saw guy on uh, film. On, on film, don't Yeah, I actually got the camera on him in time. We actually might go down there with Sloan this year. We were talking. Said, I saw him two days ago. He said he's finally figured him out. So he must have he must have spent a little more time on the water last year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he figured out how to catch some saw guy, but he's still jealous of some of the giants that 
uh, me and Kristen got into. And he knows where that spot was. He's free to go down there and try it out. But um, yeah, Sloan, he 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 said I think the biggest one he's caught so far is like twenty two inches or something. Yeah, and that might be my favorite fish to actually eat. That's I've said this on the podcast so many times. I'm wasting my breath because if anybody listens, they've heard me say it. Crappie, the Maroni species of bass, and then the the perch that we have in the state mm-hmm. are my absolute I love favorites. Yellow perch. Yeah, I've caught a bunch in Kentucky Lake, but you just can't. I've, I was wanting to do a story on them, and everybody I talked to is like, Lee, you just can't pattern them here. It's you know, it's always a bike. Are you talking I'm about yellow perch? Yes, yellow bass. Yeah, no yellow perch. I've never caught a yellow perch in Kentucky. I have in Kentucky oh, Lake. There's quite a few. Yeah, there are. We've caught some smaller. Yeah, I've but, never but caught a whole lot. But, but yeah, a lot of people catch yellow I mean, bass yeah. as well in the summer. Oh yeah, yeah yellow. Perch. I know yellow bass because um, I've got. Linville, I think I've got a is supposed to be one of the Marcy? pretty good lake for for Marcy's talked about that yeah. before that well, there's pretty good yellow perch population. Now she says Linville. the new state record is currently swimming around in that lake. Yeah. Wood Creek Lake, we have seen the state record yeah. uh, several years ago. We were collecting. Do you think Johnny Appleseed did those? Or? I would suspect so. Yeah, I don't know where else they came from, honestly. We're a little bit on the southern end for mm-hmm. yellow perch. Well, yellow perch, I know that Linville stocked them. The city did for mm-hmm. some, some weird reason. Um, that's a city-owned lake, so the department doesn't actually manage it. Yeah. And they just stick all these. It's got mean mouth. It's got hybrid. It's yeah, got, it does have mean mouth. It's got a bunch of species that most, I think it has spoonbill or something in it, too. It's one of the, yeah, paddlefish ranching. It paddlefish, paddlefish ranching lakes. It was one of the Kentucky State, the paddlefish ranching. So lake. it's got, it's a small lake, but it's got, like, the most weird variety of species in it. I mean, it's public And you do have to have, you know, certain water quality um, for, for species like yellow perch to make it this far south. I wonder how they got, you know, I, I, Ryan Oster and I were always, I was like, man, I'd like to do on how do you catch yellow perch in Kentucky Lake. Yeah. And he was like, can't pattern them. He said, I've tried to pattern them. <laughs> you know, it's just you catch them when you're yeah. bluegill or yeah. usually when you're crappie fishing, you'll yeah. get into a little pod of them. Yeah, Maybe. catch a few here and there. Check these saw guys But out. how did they get there? Do you know? I think in, in Kentucky Lake. Yeah, that was probably Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> I'm not sure if they're native of that drainage. I, I, I don't, don't think I'd so. I have to look at that drainage in the south. So. Yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, that's going straight into the Mississippi at some point. That's yeah. there's no perch in the Mississippi. Uh, probably Johnny, but they've been there a long yeah. time. So check out that saw guy. It's a twenty uh, seven or twenty eight inches. Is that your uh, special that's, spot? That's my good spot, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good sound down there. That one right there's like twenty four inches or something like that. Heck yeah, I ate every one of them. I mean, it got to the point where I was calling those fish, and and uh, I had a mink come over there and try to steal my stringer, which is interesting. I love I love wildlife. I can't wait till it's nicer out. I've seen a lot of mink wading uh, some of the branches of the elk horn. Mm-hmm. I'm swimming real close have, to me. I have too. All right, I want to get back on the topic of fins or fish docking or something yeah. like that. So right now, if you were to look on the department's website, you can just search fins. Mm-hmm. Or actually, I, I searched trout stocking yesterday yep. because I specifically just want trout. And I know that they're stocking some creeks, some streams right now, as well as the lakes. Yeah. Do you have anything to do with the stream stocking? Not so much. Uh, so yeah, you can you can go on the webpage and there's a monthly trout stocking schedule mm-hmm. where you can find all the water bodies stocked, mm-hmm. you know, that given month. And then it's also in the fishing boating guide. We have a we have all the water bodies that we, we stock with trout. So you can find out what month, what quantities mm-hmm. get stocked. Um, if you go on the webpage, we actually list the most recent stocking dates, so you know, yeah. when yeah. the last time it was stocked. Well, that's what um, I was going to say. So there's two dates there. And if it's a date in the future, it's like a projected, like yeah. should be stocked on this date. Yep. But sometimes those change. 
But if you see a date that, like that was... that's in the past, it was definitely stocked on that date. Yeah. We would change it online if, yeah. if something changed. But yeah, yeah. We, we like to post those dates in advance so people can plan a trip around it. It, it can be a little dependent if we get a freak weather and you know, creek comes up, river comes up, uh, things are flooded out, it's too cold, the tank's ice over, mm -hmm. something like that. There are, there are road conditions or water conditions that can change that schedule, but we always... Uh, you know, make the revisions on the website. Mm -hmm. um, but we like to let people know ahead of time when those fish are going in, if they want to plan their plan their outing around Because they'll, be, they'll be waiting. And, and they will be waiting, and like I said, sometimes it's really good right after, and other times it can, yeah. it can take a while. I'll, I'll tell you, I personally like to fish the streams more, and mm -hmm. that's just me. And, yeah. and if you have the opportunity to, you got your choice. Like, I'm thinking at Floyd's Fork, the yeah. parklands, right? Mm -hmm. You have the stream there, and then you have both of the fishermen's lakes that are stocked with trout also. Yeah. <laughs> and they're literally 100 yards apart. Yeah. So I'll take my choice and I go to the stream, but the streams are catch and release only right now. Mm -hmm. Whereas the, the lakes, and I think this is probably true for all the fins lakes, are catch and keep. Anytime, yeah, there's no restrictions. Yeah. They're not like your seasonal catch and release streams. So yeah, so, yeah that, that's that, that's a good point to hit on is, is we try to provide you know ample yeah. opportunities depending on what you like. I mean, if you want easy access, the fins lakes are for you. Yeah. If you want something a little remote or flowing water, you got, yeah. you know, we want to provide a different opportunity. And the FINS programs, I, I don't really see them as, as an opportunity for everybody. They First off, they can't support if everybody mm -hmm. in Kentucky went fishing at a FINS lake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we we kind of came about the program as, as opportunities for, you know, somebody that's new to fishing, mm -hmm. um, families that, you know, want easy access, amenities yeah. around there, or, you know, somebody that's a little bit older and maybe has some, some, some issues getting around upon that is, again, easy access, um, close to home where it's a short trip yeah. and you don't have to go far. But, uh, but for me personally, I, I, don't, I don't fish the fins of lakes a whole lot just because I have the means, you yeah. know, I have a small boat, a kayak, and mm -hmm. I like fishing a little more remote. So it, it's, not, it's not for everybody, but uh, it is an opportunity there if, if again, you're new to fishing or you just have an hour or so after work, if you want to go, I mean, it's, well, it's there. Well, the fins lakes are a great idea because they, I mean, they have to be within a certain distance of a certain number of people, right? Mm -hmm. So they aren't out in the middle of nowhere. They're focused on big urban areas. Or urban areas, we do have some in some smaller cities and towns yeah. as well. But, but uh, it's really to provide access for, easy access for people to go fishing. Yeah. Uh, is, and I mean, if you're one of those kids growing up in a neighborhood somewhere, you might not be able to get mom and dad to take you somewhere to fish when you're 10 years old, but if you got a fins like you know, a half mile from the house Riding and you want to fish, you can, yeah, yep. it's, it's just a good opportunity. Um, what I was getting at though is this time of year, I'm fishing the fins lakes because I like to eat fish. Yeah. And then when, is it April 1st? Uh, the delayed trade, uh, the seasonal yep. catch and release, April, April 1st. So, so, so when, when, yep. when April 1st rolls around and the streams become catch and keep, I will strictly hit the streams. And that's not all the, that's, yeah, just well, to be clear, that's of, not all, Floyd's Fork is, is one, yeah. but that's not all the streams yeah. that we stock are not all seasonal. Look, look it up on the website, yeah. it's on the website. Yeah. But I, th I almost feel like you can target the trout in streams easier. Because mm -hmm. they, in the ponds and the lakes, I feel like they're, they're a little bit more scattered. Mm -hmm. But if you get in a stream, I feel like they have a more preferred area that they like to be in. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if I find a, a shallow riffle dumping into a, you know, a little bit bigger pool of water. I mean, I know where that riffle is. It's probably my spot. 
I will say in these ponds, if you do get a rain event and get some flowing water coming mm -hmm. into these fins ponds, I get call after call. People, you know, I may not want to give this tip out, but that flowing water, those that water coming in those ponds. So people, the headwaters they, in the they, pond. They like that flowing water. Those trout will seek that out. So mm -hmm. if you get a rain event and there's some fresh water coming in that pond, yeah. those trout will get up in that foot of water, two foot of water coming in, and they'll, they'll be in that, that rain out. water. I, that obviously, not, neither one of these ponds, which are the two I hit, yeah. but... And actually, the two at Floyd's, or the other two that I mainly hit, mm -hmm. I think, uh, is Tom Wallace a fence? Mm -hmm. Tom a, Wallace and Waverly, and then you got the yeah. Miles Park there in the Parklands, and uh, Fisherman's Park in Cherokee, so we have several. In I live pretty close to Cherokee now. Maybe I'll try that mm -hmm. one out. Yep. But yeah, there's a lot of opportunity. Check out the Fins Lakes and just trout stocking and catfish stocking in general. We actually do fish a lot of the catfish. Mm -hmm. um, the Fins, catfish, and the Fisherman's Parks ponds mm -hmm. at Floyd's Fork, and my girlfriend's been doing that for years. I mean, and last year I hooked into a pretty good catfish down there. Mm -hmm. If I had to guess, probably 10 pounds. Yeah. Which for a, a lake that gets pressured every day, you just wouldn't think of it. Yeah. They're there. Yep. And, and again, the reason that we started the FINS program, so we depend on license sales and, mm -hmm. and, and dollars from anglers to, mm -hmm. to fund our agency. And, and when we see declining license sales, that kind of throws up a, a big mm -hmm. question mark, what's going on and what's what's causing this? So. Kentucky, we did surveyed, we surveyed anglers, and the, the reason that people are getting out of fishing, the two biggest limitations are time and access. So mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of time to go fishing or I don't have a place to go. So we tried to tried to bring both of those uh, with the FINS program, providing yeah. ample opportunities close to a lot of people. And so. when you stock them monthly, I mean, you're constantly putting fish in, so. Yeah, and, having, and that's the other thing, having a successful trip when you go out. Mm -hmm. So if you go to these ponds, and they may get a lot of pressure, but if the fish aren't there, you take a kid fishing and he goes three or four times and never catches a fish, he's gonna get discouraged and mm -hmm. probably not wanna do it again. Mm -hmm. So uh, keeping those catch rates and, and, and uh, harvest rates up, but we've gotta stock a lot of fish for the program to, to keep those catch rates up. Are there, yeah. are there any ponds that are really hard to stock? You gotta get the, the truck, the tanker, and it's a big truck. You gotta get it right next to the pond. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, a, there's a few that are hard. That, that is one of the, you know, qualifications for getting added to the FIN program is, is, is stocking access. But there are a couple that, especially when we get a lot of rain and mm -hmm. it's muddy, that can be a little bit difficult to get into. So so kudos to the, the hatchery guys and the transportation guys that get fish into these because they do have to work. To, mm -hmm. and, and our <laughs> and I'll, <clears throat> I'll commend uh, our hatcheries. They do a great job with producing fish for these programs. It's a lot of work. And, and uh, if you've been out there on a harvest day when we harvest, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, a, a one acre pond and get 10 or 15,000 yep. pounds of catfish, it's it's a lot of work. And, and uh, those guys do a great job. I have. Yeah. Were you with us last year when we took the tour of the hatchery down there with the commissioner? Yeah, you yes, were there. I was there. And then we went fishing afterwards, we and fishing. that's when you got your fishing pole snapped. Then, then, um, then I loaned one of my hand-built rods, third one ever built, to someone, and they broke it. <laughs> it Chase has not taken Oh, he broke that rod. You know, long story short, we, we were fishing with some people that were you know kind of political, and uh, he I don't think the guy had ever fished before. He did buy a fishing license just to go out here and do this, so Lee gives him a hand-built rod. Mm -hmm. and, he catches this fish. It was a smallmouth out of Elkhorn. He reeled that smallmouth all the way up to the first dive. <laughs> I mean, that's smallmouth's and lips were. Grabbed him a foot from the edge. Yeah, and grabbed the, the rod most of the way up. And I mean, that smallmouth's lips were touching the eyelet on the <laughs> rod. And it just snapped right in half. And I looked over and I saw Lee's, Lee's eyes tear up a little bit. I was like, oh. I caught a million fish on that rod. That had a lot. Really? <laughs> now, over the winter, well, during Christmas break, I was like, okay. Then I went and, you know, 
anybody who's fished a long time like we have has like a corner of cast off rods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went to the corner of cast off, said I'll never make this mistake again. I've got like three loner rods yep. that if they snap, I'll be like, oh well, yep. oh, never again. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, he wasn't. That was fun. He just didn't. Know. Yeah, yeah. But going through, uh, going down there and taking the tour of the hatchery was pretty cool because we got to see them from. They were actually growing sturgeon when we were there, so we saw the sturgeon as well. Memory serves correctly. It was really hot that day, wasn't it? I was burning up that day. I couldn't wait to get in the water. Yeah, um, that's that's, that's, that's the time I like fishing in the creek. Is my favorite time of fishing yeah. creek yeah. when you can just wear a pair of shorts and get on in and cool off. No doubt. So let me see. I've got a couple notes uh, here. Yeah, Lee. One thing I wanted to bring up: do we do we stock hybrid bluegill? In the Fins Lakes regularly, we, we is that have, just a maintenance? Um, so we've stocked those last probably six or eight years. We've stocked those, and it's it's not all the Fins Lakes. Um, about thirty thousand a year is what we were stocking. Most of those would go out that last week of May or first week of June, um, and then most of those were in ponds that that had fishing events for kids or, or free fishing event okay. weekend events. So so we would we would stock some sunfish right before that free fishing weekend. Um, and they hold over, correct? They, they do hold over, but we weren't, the problem is we're not seeing, they do, they, they're so aggressive, I think most of those get harvested so quick that we don't see, in the next spring, we don't see it's any. Okay. When we shock I those ponds, we don't that. see any. So we're actually, we are going to get away from the hybrid sunfish and just go to stocking uh, straight bluegill. Um, again, they'll have the same, they're a little bit easier to raise in the hatchery, have less issues with them, but we are gonna get away from the hybrid sunfish and just stock bluegill. And most of those will be, again, right before free fishing weekend, first week of June, or ponds that we sample that, that have poor sunfish populations. Could use a little boost, uh, we will stock some of those bluegill in those ponds. Tell me about the catfish that are stocked. Because Cat- they are a hybrid. Yep, well, the hybrid, so in the past, um, we strictly stocked channel catfish in the fins program. Uh, again, this is probably dating back six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. We started producing hybrid catfish, which are a blue and channel catfish hybrid uh, in the hatchery. Uh, currently, we stock probably about 50-50. Mm-hmm. Uh, about half the, the, half the um, number of catfish we stock are channel catfish and half are hybrids. Uh, the hybrids, the reason that we like those is the food conversion is a little bit better at the hatchery. They grow a little more uniformly. They're more disease resistant. They're a little bit easier to sane in those hatchery ponds. So they just on the hatchery and they're easier. They're easier and and honestly, from from anglers, um, I think they do behave a little differently in mm-hmm. the ponds. Whereas a channel catfish is going to be a little bit more of a bottom feeder, mm-hmm. uh, where these Blues. hybrid catfish have a little bit of blue catfish in them. Blue catfish are a little bit more open water pelagic mm-hmm. feeders. Uh, I do think these hybrids feed a little higher in the water column mm-hmm. um, and maybe behave a little bit differently. But honestly, the they, anglers seem seem like they like catching the hybrid catfish just as well, much. Well, they get bigger, don't they? They will get mm-hmm. bigger than, than just a straight channel when, as well. So. When you look at one of them, you can tell it's if it's a channel, you know it's a channel. Channel and, it, and the hybrids, they, a they lot look, of people will confuse it with a straight blue catfish, yeah. um, but they do have the characteristics of both the blue. I mean, they'll have kind of that blue tinge like a blue catfish, yeah. but they also may have some small spots like yeah. a channel. Uh, that anal fin will be kind of an in between the yeah. the rounded of a of a channel catfish and the straight like a blue catfish. I th- at first glance, you know, I definitely think they look more like a blue. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mostly because of color. Yep. And there's a little bit to the shape of the head. Yeah. But they got a little bit higher back than a, yeah. than a channel catfish. Then you really look at them, you, you will see those spots. Yep. And then so you, I mean, if it's in a fins like, it's either going to be a channel or or the, <clears throat> the hybrid. And 
I thought it was cool. That's what they were harvesting last year when we were there, yeah. Lee, was the hybrids. And we had stocked yeah. just some straight blue catfish in some of these ponds in the past. Mm. And then they we were still little, do them in some of our smaller lakes, correct? In smaller, um, smaller lakes and some of the larger, la mainly, yeah, larger, larger lakes. Like Taylorsville. Taylorsville, you know, um, Barron. We did Dewey. a study on, like, bolts, some of those stayed on. Yeah, they didn't do, they didn't they do did. real well on those smaller impoundments. It was less than 300 acres. They just, and, and blue catfish are kind of odd. Um, growth rates are so variable. I mean, you can have... AJ Jolly was one lake that I had a research project on and just several years ago. We had fish that were stocked in 2000, so they were fin clipped. We knew what year they were stocked. You had fish that were 13 years old that uh, were still 11, 12 inches, and then you may have one that's 30, 40 pounds that was stocked that same year. Some wow. of them just take off, and that's in the river anywhere. Catfish, blue catfish growth can be pretty variable. Let me ask you guys hmm. this question. You know, we, we've been doing a lot of work with Asian carp down there on Kentucky Lake, and we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, you know, me and you, Lee, both spent several days down there recently, and there's a lot going on down there, but I posted some drone footage to the Kentucky Field Facebook page the other day, and somebody came back with a suggestion. He said, I don't see why you guys don't just stock whales catfish down there to take care of all these Asian carp, and what do you guys think about whales catfish in Kentucky Lake? Probable? Yeah, they get 700 pounds, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen those videos of people catching those things? No, I have not. Well, they are a heck of a catfish, but trust me, it's not a good idea. That's what I'm saying. But then they might eat my bass and yeah. uh, my the, 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 I think that stocking an invasive species to take care of an invasive species is, is never, is a, no never a good idea. But we are doing some good stuff down there, uh, combined with a lot of other agencies. And at some point, Dane, I know you're a fisheries biologist, but at some point we're going to have to have an Asian carp, you know, specific person on to talk about what's going on down there. I don't know if it's... Uh, Ron Brooks or Jessica Morris or I would say Tim Sloan, but that one scares me a little bit. <laughs> no, well, yeah. yeah, there's a, there's a crew out west uh, yeah. that that does mainly works out on, yeah. on Kentucky and Berkeley, and then there's yeah. a, a crew here in Frankfort that also works on the Ohio River. Yeah, yeah I definitely get those people in. Yeah, and, I think and talk it'd be fun them. to talk because there's a lot of exciting. There's a stuff. lot going on, and it's yeah. hard to keep up with everything because well, it, it is moving at the speed the, of light. Know, I'd say people have questions about it because it's been covered by the media. You know, when we when we've been down there, there's been. You know, news or agency after agency there. Associated Press. I mean, yeah, everybody's there, and uh, I mean, basically, what we've done is the BAF system was over the summer months of getting that installed, and I think a lot of people have caught onto that. It's basically a bioacoustic fish fence down there below the Barkley Lock, and that's experimental. There are tagged Asian carp, and they're seeing how effective that is in keeping fish from going in and out of the lake from the lock chamber. And then now what they're doing is the modified unified method up on the lake, and that's actually harvesting huge numbers of fish out of the embayments. And it's been done elsewhere. We've got some experts from USGS helping us out. And, I mean, it's basically a, you know, I think Ron Brooks told me it's, you know, another weapon, another yeah. bullet in the chamber yeah. to fight Asian carp. And uh, in theory, you know, they don't really spawn in the lakes. They need moving water. And if you can keep them from getting into the lake from the river, and then you can remove them from the lake, you know, you could make a pretty good dent. So I was uh, in the boat with a, a gentleman who's commercial fish down there, and the reports he's heard is over the last year or two, things are improving. Mm -hmm. uh, crappie fishing's improving, bass fishing's improving, it's starting to cycle back into what it was before this invasion happened. Mm -hmm. uh, well, so, yeah. And some of those fisheries can be cyclical depending yeah. on, on yeah. environmental conditions. But uh, yeah, Adam Martin, I think he's he's got a good finger on the pulse with those mm -hmm. with and those I, those fisheries. Video, down there. If you can go 
It was on Facebook. I don't know if we have it online, but he did a great video. Mm -hmm. on yeah, the fact that, that you, you and I've talked about this before, but Barclays only had one spawn since twenty ten. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. And they had a die off as well. Well, they did have a year class completely die off in Barclay. I think it was a two year old class, and that was probably three years ago. Yeah. I was down there; they were dying off, and there was fish, you know, just skinny as could be over there on the bank, basically mm -hmm. just swimming themselves up into the rocks. Well, I would just be heartbroken to see. All those Asian carp go. All those <laughs> silver carp die. I bet you the raccoons will like it, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> raccoons and the turtles will be loving that. Yeah. And the eagles at that. Well, there were a lot of eagles in that uh, in uh, Pisgah Bay when we were there. Yeah, this past week? Yeah, yeah they were Man. everywhere. It's like, and the, Ron said they're just hammering them. I know this time of year they have a lot of the viewings the eagles, and stuff. Yeah, so they're like, hey, and, yep. thanks for putting those in the net. I call all eagles in the eastern United States just line up one after another and, and the, eat all you want. The most eagles I've ever seen were eating Asian carp. Then they were stuck. I guess the Ohio River had flooded Ballard WMA, and then it dropped down. And all these Asian carp got stuck in basically huge puddles of water out in these fields. And those eagles, I saw seven eagles at one spot. And uh, one of them, I thought, I mean, I was like, man, that is the biggest bird I've ever seen. And I'm not sure if it was just a immature bald that it was tricking me or if it was a golden. But it was a giant yeah. bird. But they were hammering those Asian carp. Yeah, I know man. they get some golden eagles over at like Bernheim. Yeah, and I, I saw Irish, one so. when I was young. I, I grew up near Bernheim. Mm -hmm. And um, and I it was not an immature bald. It was too, mm -hmm. and it was huge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the only one I've ever seen. Yeah, I went home, got the bird book out, and I mean, I was like, Dad, that, that, you know, that's that's <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a mythological creature. Yeah. Uh, on coming back from the first time we went down, the day it rained all all day. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. blew over our dining fly and broke it, and never got used. <laughs> Not never never shielded a person because we had a squall and it blew up. But. I was on I-24 and looked over and I was like, boy, that's a big white head. What is that? And there's a huge eagle eating a deer carcass <laughs> on the side of I-24. Yeah. There's, I mean, the eagles are becoming more and more prevalent. Yeah. I think that our, our, we used to have a policy where Kate Slankard said this mm -hmm. on a segment, wanted, um, they wanted us to report eagles at one scene. But now there's so many eagles that they really yeah, right. Nest, nesting yeah, location. They I think nest, they still keep track locations. of. But yeah, it's. I mean, I any kind of water body I'm on, usually you'll see them pretty much year round. Any any sizable water body. I had the drone up to get that footage last week. I was a little bit nervous about it because those eagles were. I mean, I was literally watching eagles fly fly around <laughs> as I was taking my drone up, and I was like, I'm going to lose this fight if it <laughs> happens. So I don't think I can outrun a bald eagle with my drone. <laughs> no, but um. It's uh, I, I've always wondered why they don't use drones to check out those nesting locations. I guess probably for that reason. I don't know. Yeah, they, they say the helicopter doesn't bother them. Maybe yeah. a drone would bother them. Maybe it's territorial and something a little bit yeah. smaller and than them. Or a helicopter. You know, like, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. It's cool though. I mean, the stuff they do with eagles. At some point, Lee, we need to have some of the more non-game people on. Like I mean, we yeah. we've had them before, but I think some of the ladies like. You know, um, Lauren and Lauren or Kate or any of that crew would be uh -huh. interesting to talk to, especially the spring is when they get a lot of their work done, when there's nesting songbirds and nesting uh -huh. eagles. We'll have so. have them on, right? Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. Yep. Actually, when I was delivering calendars, I told Lauren, I said, you need to come on the podcast. And she yeah. said she would. Lauren, so. I don't think Lauren's ever been on. Neither, neither is Kate, I don't, I don't think. think so. Laura Burford's obviously. Yeah, Kate was gone today. <laughs> We're sharing an office over there at Pine Hill right now. Know. And they've got, they've got mice in a cage that they're over at, uh, at Shaker Village. Uh, uh, Shrikes. They're putting out oh, yeah. mice and, and trapping shrikes right now that they're they're coming through and they bait them with mice and get these these shrikes come in and, and they eat mice. So that's what they're, they're doing right now? Yeah. So they've got a cage of mice and 
one day I'll go in, there'll be a few few less, and I don't know if they've been out <laughs> trapping or if the mice have gotten out overnight, but it's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to go do that segment with them. Oh, I think we went out and covered something. Last year, I think they burned a field, and there's, there's a specific species of bird that is attracted to burn areas. Mm -hmm. um, it's really hard to find here in the state of Kentucky. It's like a very rare bird. Well, they're both sharp as tacks. They're good at yeah. what they do. I'm going to have to, because I obviously know nothing about what I'm talking about when it comes to that. So I will get them on, because they do some interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people don't realize how interesting the non-game species are. I think they're some of the most interesting. I mean, I enjoy the game species a whole lot because I get to go hunting and fishing and whatnot, mm -hmm. but the non-game species oh, are I really interesting. Some of my favorite pieces I've done have been non-game mm -hmm. yeah. stuff. Well, they're just different, you know. The game species are somehow more similar to what we know. They're more similar to us or pets, like animals that we're around daily, you know, mm -hmm. like livestock, for instance. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a as much of a difference between a white-tailed deer and a, and a cow or a horse as there is between a salamander in anything that we're around every day. And those things have antifreeze in their blood and they can freeze solid and then all of a sudden be walking around again as soon as it gets warm. So, I don't know. Some of those animals are really cool. We need to talk more with those people. Let's see. Oh, there's a call-in show this Saturday at 8.30. People say it's a fishing call-in show. Okay, and we're going to have Jeff Ross and Jeff Crosby on from Fisheries, our yep. panel of experts there. And then we're also having law enforcement on. They're they're over cramming up today. They're they're trying to, yeah. They're cramming the night before the exam. I said, don't well, make sure. Like, um, you know, he's asked me a few things. Jeff was yesterday. <laughs> Man, I, it's so it's so laid back. I know. Our calling show. You know, Chad's first episode ever as host of Kentucky Field TV was a calling show. So it's the very first. I mean, he got thrown right into the fire. Baptism yeah, <laughs> by fire, no doubt. Yeah, that's got to be the hardest. But um, it's hard to write down the question. I've done that, and you're like, yeah, the question. Booking. <laughs> It's yeah, just everything. I mean, they have their areas of specialty, but I mean, it's just all over in every water body you can think of. Well, every question between, between those two guys and law enforcement officer and Chad, they they cover. They do a good job. They yeah. they can come up with yeah. an answer. No, yeah. I, mean, the, the, I got I have faith in them, and yeah. we, you know, we get uh, some crazy questions. Yeah. Um, I think that Wells catfish question actually came from <laughs> the. Cat, it might have been when we were asking for questions for the calling show because we already put it on Facebook. Um, you know, asking for questions. But that's Saturday, this Saturday, the 22nd at 8.30. And, uh, you know, we've already put it up on Facebook to submit some questions, so we already have some questions. I'll put it on Instagram and Facebook tomorrow asking for questions, and people can ask them there in the form of comments or they can just call in during the show. So that's one hour, 8.30 to 9.30 tomorrow night, KAT. And I think I got away from doing this in the past, Lee, but I think I'm going to make that into a podcast as well. Oh, the the call-in show. show. I'll take the audio from the call-in show, and I'll chop it to where you know you don't have the intro and you don't have the outro. I'll probably come in here next week, and you know this is the 2020 spring fishing call-in show, and and, and just give well, we've the done intro. we've done it before, but we got away from it. Well, and we've done what? These are some of the questions that didn't get answered. Yeah, we will do that still. Okay. So I'll make a podcast out of the call-in show, and then I'll do some questions and we can get another somebody from fisheries mm -hmm. or i'll just sort through it and get questions that i know we know the answers to and i saw paul wilkes he said he'd love to come on the show paul so. wilkes would be great he knows a lot about what's going on with the asian carp right now too he's been down there both the times that we've been down mm -hmm. there so paul wilkes would be good um yeah so i wanted to promote that a little bit let's see you got anything over there lee i'm looking I at sure notes. oh i got you know i always do <laughs> go for it most of it useless no i uh, just you know, it's time of year, everybody's starting to get uh, antsy-pantsy, and it's also the time of year that a lot of people like to fish Cumberland and Dale for, for smallmouths, but 
Um, I had a friend in Louisville contact me and said, what's Cumberland look like? I want to go down and try the float and fly, but I mm -hmm. want to know what it's like. And I talked to a co-worker and uh, his wife works here and she took a picture and right by the dam and it looks like chocolate milk. Yep. So um, I'm, it, it, the, the worst fishing condition for me is cold, muddy water. Yep. I mean, hot, mm -hmm. muddy water I can do something with. Cold, muddy water, terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody likes cold and chocolate the, milk. And you know? the, the lake elevation is 728, which is uh, several feet above summer pool. Um, all six turbines are ripping. It's 324.7. So water temps is increased. It was 47 last week. It's increased to 51. Dale, water's falling. Water temperature is 48. Now, their, their uh, Tennessee reports that big smallmouths are being caught on float and fly, but uh, they're, they're dropping the lake pretty aggressively. So... And one thing that, that people don't realize is we get a, if, if we can get rid of this rain for a while and the streams get stable, you get in late February and you have a three-day warm front, that third day, you can catch some huge strain smallmouths on yeah. hair jigs in the deeper holes, near feeding areas, but you got to stable Stable water stable and stable water, weather. And yep. Stable water, stable weather, and deeper winter holes. And mm -hmm. those big females have eggs in their bellies and... Mm -hmm. uh, that's a great time. Now, you may only get five bites, but they could be the biggest ones you catch all year. And that would be when? I've done it in like the last week of February before, but the, the last week of February till about the mid of March, hmm. when you when you get low water and you get finally get a warm front that lasts. That if you get day. low water, because yes. the past couple of years, it's been a bust. Uh, we've been in like it's a four-year pattern, three or four-year pattern, it seems 691 like. 691 CFS today, water temperature in Elkhorn, main stem Elkhorn was 42. What was it, 690? You said 690, basically? 690. That's pretty That's pretty that's, that's ripping. Yeah. That's more than I like to fish. I, I've fished at 600 before. But I have, too. I've caught fish at 600. Yeah. But but I'm not doing it this time of year. No, I didn't like it. But we get it down and just dry out a little bit, and you get it under 200 CFS, and... You know, one of my favorite places to go is, is in the lower part of the, the creek, especially. Mm -hmm. And there's several public access spots down there. Do you remember two years ago, this time of year, it was Cifla in Louisville. Yep. And that's when that deer jumped off the bridge by the Galt House. That's yeah. how much rain we'd had that year. Yep. And then last year, this time of year, was just ridiculous. Remember last year was the wettest year on record, wasn't it? Yep. Mm -hmm. So our last two years, record, <laughs> it's been... Record... Uh, we had that drought, the, the dry summer sandwiched in there between, but it seems like the last, yeah, yeah the last four, four or five springs, it's just been wet. Well, and then for that it. first week of March can be still pretty cold. Mm -hmm. and, and but we had a couple of years ago, we had like 20 inch plus snow. Yeah. Like second week of March. I can't. I just want it to be a normal year, man. Just, yes, I just want I, normal. Yeah. Especially, especially people are they got cabin fever. They're ready oh, to get out. Come March, they're they're ready to get out. And I'm then you ready, get that I'm, coldest I'm weather. I thought several people like their wives are like, when's fishing start? Kind of ready for you to go on. <laughs> I don't mind that snow and cold in November and December, yeah, but, but yeah, you come by come mid February, February. Okay, if it's not snowing, seventy five degrees are better. Thank yep. you. Yeah, no, I can't wait. I'm just yeah, everybody. Everybody around the office is talking about fishing and getting out, and just it's oh. it's that time of year. That's why when the sun's out, like right now, I'm looking out that window, and it doesn't it seem brighter in here than it's been for the past ten oh, podcasts no because doubt. it's been cloudy as as could it's be. It's been cloudy for you know. Yeah. I've got I'm gonna have to spray my wooden fence down with a little bit of bleach and a little bit of uh, uh, water and um, some dishwashing liquid so it'll stick and kill all the the mildew I have. Yeah. You know because it's just been so damp. Yeah. So dark. 
Yeah, but I'm I'm getting out and doing something today. I'm getting out and doing something tomorrow. If the sun's out, I'm going to be getting out there and doing something. I actually got sunburned the other day, which was That's nice. That's good. Beautiful. I love getting sunburned in like late winter. That's yeah. Good. What was I doing when I got sunburned? Tops of your tops of your knees. Oh. The first time you wear shorts. And the... I went to Kentucky Lake on a photo shoot one time in May. It was like the first of May, and I'm white as a sheet. Didn't even think, and I wore shorts. I had to pull over and buy a big thing of aloe vera because I got so burnt that I had blisters. <laughs> and I was driving back, I'd pull over, pat my legs with aloe vera, blue aloe vera. Oh, yeah. God, it hurt. I got sunburned hiking in the gorge the other day is where I was. And, I mean, it was just a very mild sunburn, but that's when I knew that it had been cloudy and I'd been cooped up for way too long when I could go on a, just a normal hike on a winter day and get sunburned. I was like, I'm, my skin has been neglected. No doubt. Uh, you know, not, get some tan. Not having that vitamin D get you depressed. And, yes. man, I just, I really feel like I never appreciate, late summer, you know, I'm, I'm not really appreciating how great summer is. I know. And then it gets to be... Yeah, you get in August, you're like, well, I'm ready for fall. It's hot. Yeah, I'm ready then, for fall. And in February, it's like, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Fact, I'll tell you right now. Since God gave a chicken. Right now, it seems like the days are getting longer and longer. They are. It's like 7 o'clock. I was grilling it near 7 the other night, and, and it was still Still, still light. light. Yeah. So I'm and like, I, I remember when it was 540. It's like two weeks when we jump ahead. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Second weekend of March. I don't think it's yeah first or second weekend of March. There's a bill circulating to just get rid of that and just be yeah. on daily saving time all the time. I'd have to do some more research. I think that sounds like a good idea. I don't. I mean, it just would be dark so late, late in the morning. I know. But I mean, it's. I'd, I'd almost rather have the daylight when I get home from work than when I'm driving to. Yeah. No you know, I don't mind driving to work in the dark as much as I mind driving home in the dark. <laughs> it's much more depressing. No, no it is. Yeah, much. You know, from work, it's already dark. You're like, oh. Yep. No future in this. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't live in one of those places where it's dark for... Like Alaska. Yeah, six months at a time, some some years. I mean, oh, well. Give me something, Dane, here. Uh, one thing you think people are missing out on or don't know about that they should. If there's something you do or you've seen here at the department, you're like, man, not enough people know about it. <laughs> what is it? That's a good one. Um, I'll talk... A little bit about one of the research projects I'm doing that people may not realize. So, so hybrid striped bass I'm doing a research project on Harrington, Taylorsville, and Rough River Lake. Um, we stock in Kentucky what is called the reciprocal cross hybrid striped mm -hmm. bass. So it's the male um, striped bass and female white bass, and that's what we've stocked for years. Back in the '80s, we did stock the other cross, which is original cross uh, female stripers. That's what I yeah. And, uh, when did we switch that over? I did a piece it was on it that. was it was mid to late '80s, I think. It, it's been a long time since we've stocked them, so we hadn't stocked them, but we weren't seeing as many big hybrid striped bass. So, one so of the did research, we flip back to the old way? We, we were doing a research study on those three lakes to see seeing performance, uh, so seeing you know, relative abundance. So each cross, we stocked equal numbers of each of those in those three lakes for for several years. Uh, one to see, you know, compare growth rates to see which cross grew faster, um, which ones we saw more of, um, just kind of comparing performance, seeing how they did. So uh, that project's about to wrap up. We actually are seeing that, that growth on the, on the recips, which we have been stocking for years, is actually faster than the originals. So hmm. um, what we've been stocking for the last few years, at least those first three or four years of, of life, uh, those recips are growing faster and we do have really good growth in some of these lakes but the problem is we're just not seeing um, not seeing a lot of older fish. Lee is your phone going off? It sure is. 
I haven't heard the Hello Moto <laughs> no, in a long time. Probably my dad. Oh, that's oh, Kevin. Better take it. Hey, man, I have to call you back. Doing a podcast. All right, I'll call you in a minute. All right. <laughs> and I'm going to turn this off. No, you're I good. Didn't, we're, didn't we're, we need to wrap it up anyway. Right. Cool. Yeah, I got to I got to leave at three. So. All right. Uh, um, yeah, I can't think of anything like shorter than interesting. Uh, well, you're good. well uh, so we used to stock fem- uh, it was female, that. male stripers, female whites. That's what we do now. That's the reciprocal cross. Okay. That's what we've been doing for years. But, okay. Years and years ago, we stocked the original cross, which is a female striper. And it stands okay. to reason that you, with a female striper and male white bass, that maybe they you know, get that parental stock that from the female that they get a little bit bigger, live a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're actually not seeing that. So um, we have some issues on these lakes. That, so uh, now it's male striper and female white? Yeah, that's oh, the reset. That's, that's what we've been stocking. And when did we start that? That was the one in the 80s we flipped over? We flipped over and we've been stocking recips since the late 80s. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got some water quality issues in these high flow years that we're losing some fish and yeah. just the water quality, especially Harrington and Taylorsville, they're, they're struggling right now on the hybrid fisheries. So. Uh, rough seems to be holding on fairly well. I know Baron Baron does pretty well, well too. Know, I lived on Harrington for years. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. You yeah. go down that lake and jump at thirty feet yep. in two days. Yeah, because you know, it's a canyon. Yeah, you know. All right. So, did we hit any new opportunities or techniques that we think other people might not have known? Have we touched on you? You've mentioned the uh, the hair jigs for smallmouth mm-hmm. and the streams mm-hmm. here in the next couple of weeks. If we get a couple of good warm purple days. is my favorite color. Purple and black. So, and we hit on... And I don't use a trailer, naked. We hit on the Finns Lakes opportunities being stocked right now with trout. Going to be stocked with catfish in the future. We mm-hmm. talked about those species and how to catch them. Talked about stream trout mm-hmm. and the uh, catch and release on some of those going up until April, April 1st. Um, we talked about the white bass run coming up around the corner and some crappie and sawgrass fishing opportunities. Am I missing anything good? Shed hunting, of course, is something people need to be out there doing. And you can do it on WMAs. Last year we went on WMAs and we found sheds for the show on the WMA. We didn't walk that far either. It's just an overlooked opportunity. Do we teach anybody anything new? About, I think, well, uh, yes. All the stuff about the crosses. I mean, the, as far as the, the channel and the blue hybrids, mm-hmm. uh, I think we hit on some stuff there. This is the first time I've really run, wanted to run through this at the end to make sure we, we did hit on all of it. I, I believe we did. Yep. I want to talk about sports for a second, Lee. All right. We always have five-minute sports. Segment. No, but here's the deal. We are going to discontinue that. Okay. And I'll tell you why. It's because I was listening to ESPN Louisville radio the other day, right? And they started talking about firearms and fishing, okay? and I, I think I heard this. I was like, my gosh, they're horrible at this. <laughs> I was like, these guys can't talk. <laughs> Firearm, they didn't know anything about the safeties on guns or double action, single yeah. action. or yeah, They didn't, yeah. And then they I were talking that. about hooks and and fishing, and I was like, this is this is painful. And then I was thinking to myself, I wonder if this is what me and Lee sound like <laughs> when, when we talk sports. <laughs> yes. So I was like, all right. So did, stay in our lane. Yeah, did, yeah. <laughs> that, the, the, the only reminder I needed, that, uh, or the only thing I needed to hear was them try to talk about something they really weren't experts on. And I was like, well... We aren't doing sports anymore. So. <laughs> go cats, go cards. Kind of painful. Yeah. yeah, we just leave it at that. No listen to those guys for your sports stuff and listen to us for everything else. No doubt. All right, anything you guys want to add? Thanks, man. Sure. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, Lee got his new flies. Yes, and a 
really well, nice box. Yes. I'd almost like the box as much as the flask. Yeah. I know. Yep. These are these get out and try them out. I bet that guy got home. Where's my <laughs> <laughs> fly box? All my flies. My wife threw away. Mm -hmm. I bet he was mad when he realized he left that. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, I'm hitting the button. I appreciate you coming on, Dane. Yep. Thanks as always, Lee. All right, man.